Well, it's good to be here today. Every day that you're here is a good day. Amen. I just want to share a little bit today. Um, and who's a little bit been a little bit under the weather this last week? Who's felt that thing that's been going around? This is probably half the room. We're going to pray for you at the end of the service. We're just going to, because here's what I believe. I believe that if any among you are sick, any among you are sick, they shall bring, be brought to the elders of the church, and the elders will anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith shall make you whole, shall raise you up, shall heal you. Amen? So we're going to go after a sickness-free zone. We're going to get it, I'm telling you. We're going to see that. Sometimes it's like cancer seems scary, but let's go after the flu and the common cold. Let's get that thing kicked out, and then we can move on. Amen? Okay. If you want to come with me to the first book of John, chapter 3, the first book of John, chapter 3, uh, the title of this little message today, I don't normally get gimmicky little titles, but today I do. It's called, You're Better Than That. You're Better Than That. First John, chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed, or I like to use this word, lavished on us, that we, say me, should be called children of God. That we should be called, God didn't just redeem you to be a subject, He redeemed you to be a child, His child, His son, His daughter. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Just got to finish out that little section there. But the thing I want to focus in on is that God, when he decided to be generous towards you, he didn't do it in halves. He didn't just say, you know, I think a lot of the times people look at God and they think, God is this benevolent philanthropist that is obligated to do good things for people. We think about him that he is obligated to walk in justice. True? But this is not what this scripture is telling us and a whole lot of other scriptures. This is a decided selection where God became ridiculously generous towards each of us. So much so that he didn't just put us in an orphanage. He called us his own. Hello? This is beautiful. So I want to talk to you a little bit about today about you're better than that. Because from the minute you were born, the enemy was trying to degrade your sense of value, degrade your sense of worthiness, degrade your sense of identity. And so when we hear these scriptures, we hear them, but it's hard to accept them. Even when you were saved, We're saved, and we have a lot of this Christianese knowledge, but it takes a little bit for it to get through the layers of our consciousness and our spirit. Because you can quote all the scriptures, living it with authenticness is a whole other thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about stuff like condemnation. I'm talking about stuff like identity. I'm talking about stuff like shame and guilt. I've been doing a whole bunch of study lately and starting to look into the origins of this country. And when I mean the origins, I'm talking when the settlers came. And I particularly have looked into some of the slavery period because I actually feel like it's a really... I, don't, I didn't grow up in this country and I want to know about it. And what I've learned... About, what I'm, I've, I've got a long way to go, but what I've been learning was that 
when slaves were brought here from Africa, there were slaves from other countries too, but they mostly came from Africa. When they were brought here, the first thing that happened was that they were branded and they were given another name. Now, I want to I want to drill, drill down on this for a second. <coughs> because from the minute you were born, the enemies tried to give you a new name. God knows who you are. But the enemy has tried to give you another name. Am I, am I, can we go there today? Because we need to go there. And so the problem is, is the whole reason that they were given these names was so that they would forget who they are. Hello? Can, I'm going to come down this aisle whether you like it or not. Is that all right? We're going to come down this aisle because it's so important to understand truth. And so they, they were indoctrinated to forget where they came from and who they were so that they could form into a mold of what someone else wanted them to be. Okay. Things like shame and condemnation and guilt are names. We think about them like things, but they are names. We live under condemnation as an identity and we forget that we're free. Hello? What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. It's right here. You are a child of God. But isn't it amazing how some of your greatest struggles are that, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if what I just did this last week or the thoughts I had or the company I was keeping or that same sin that I keep repeating, I think that may have disqualified me. Because a brand has been put on you that calls you and something calls you something else than what the Father has decidedly created you to be. See, you're better than that. You're better than that. Come on, somebody. I know I'm telling the truth. I was telling someone just recently this week that um, with the American Marines, I know we have a phenomenal military force here, but uh, I happen to know one of the Several years back, I, I knew through a relationship, I knew one of the guys that was one of the boot camp sergeant majors. Okay, That's the guy that you see in the pictures where he's all up in his grill, screaming at him with veins popping everywhere, and the guy's like this. That's the dude. Okay, And those sergeant majors will take these recruits, and something absolutely fascinated me when I heard this, when I heard this piece of, shall we say, selection technique. In the selection process, they're looking for, now I know that it's young men and young women, but I'm just going to talk about the young men for a second. They're looking for young men that have disconnect with their father, that have an offense with their dad, that dad was never around or that dad was abusive. They are looking for guys that they can find, that are trying to apply, that have that background. You know why? Because they can manipulate that wound. They manipulate that wound, and what they say is, I'm, they don't say it, but they become it. They become the dad to those recruits. And you see, if you can manipulate someone's identity from what they didn't have and all those things, you can make that person do whatever they want. And they said they take them, this guy said that he took them through a process 
where they literally would kill on command for him, they would die for him. You know why? Because they want an approval of a father. You were designed to have an intimate relationship with a father. Whether that is real for you in the natural or it's not, you were designed to have that. And the problem is, is that like, and I'm not calling these trainers bad, okay? I'm just highlighting the technique that they use in humanity's brokenness. Now I'm going to zone back on, in on the enemy. The enemy has tried to put stuff on you that causes you to remember what he wants you to be. Because when Jesus came, he didn't come to say that, look, it's easy to look at it into history, and there's, there's various nations and people groups that have had slaves, okay? It's easy to look at history and see it and recognize how bad that was. True? But isn't it interesting that when Jesus came, he talked about coming to break chains and open prison doors. Isn't that interesting? Because in slavery, sorry, in sin, you're a slave. Now, what's worse, spiritual slavery or physical slavery? Because it's eternal. And so the problem is, is that, you know, as slavery takes place, it goes past through the, just the chains and it goes into the mind. So much so that I've heard accounts of when slaves were set free, they didn't know what to do. In the same sense, you can actually see inmates now, and I'm sure you've heard these stories, where people get out of prison, and they've been in prison for 20, 30 years, and they come out and they don't know how to integrate with society. To the point where they'll commit another crime to go back to the place that they know. So I want to talk a little bit about it, because as we go into 2019 and God's given us amazing promises... I want us to recognize that although that God's spoken, you're going to have to combat the things that are fighting you, that have put, been put on you in different parts of your life. This is why Romans 12 verse 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the word so that you will be able to determine or discern the perfect, the good, and the acceptable will of the Lord. Okay? Because sometimes you're out of the prison and you've come out of, out of bondage, but you've actually got to get bondage out of you. And that isn't something that happens over a transformation weekend. That can take years. I was sharing with someone with, recently that when the Israelites came out, when God set them free of 400 years of slave, slavery in Egypt, that they came out of Egypt... But if you remember, they, they said later on, we really like the leeks and the garlics. Remember that? So they were feeding on the food that the Egyptians had fed them. Now, they ate all the, all the pork and everything in Egypt. There was no special food custom. So they were eating all the, the, the different foods. And the first place that God took the children of Israel after they went across the, the Red Sea, remember that? Was, was a place called the Waters of Myra. Now, the waters of Myra, it doesn't tell us a whole lot, but it tells us that the water was bitter. And I may have shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because it's super important. So they came to this place called the waters of Myra, and this Bible tells us that the children of Israel complained to Moses because the waters were bitter. And the interesting thing there is, is I, 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 I saw this, this um, exposition from a guy that had actually retraced the steps of the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt. And the waters of Myra are actually still there. 
and they are still bitter. And you know why they're bitter? Because magnesium was in the water. Magnesium was in the water. And so to me, you know, I was not a major in chemistry. So that was like, okay, that's awesome, whatever. But I found out that magnesium kills parasites. Is that not awesome? Magnesium kills parasites. So when God is taking you out of a season of brokenness and bondage, that doesn't mean he's taking you to Disneyland. He might be taking you through a season that actually looks a little difficult so that the stuff, the parasites that got in you from the last season that you were feeding on stuff that wasn't for you can get killed and burnt out. Come on, somebody. And so sometimes freedom is a process that although you've come out of that place or that thing that you were you know, struggling in the areas of sin or that the bondages, the mentalities can still be there and God has to take you through a season where that stuff starts to break off who you are. Because you see, God has a name for you. That's why God had to take Saul and make him Paul. Come on, somebody. He had to take Simon and he had to make him Peter. Okay. So, let's just look at this real quick. Come with me to... um, John chapter 3, I want to talk a little bit about this identity thing because it's so important. Because the enemy is contending to remind you of everything you're not. He's trying to tell you, can I just hit some stuff in the room right now? He's trying to tell you that you're like, nobody really likes me in this church community. I'm invisible in this church community. Or... You know, if anyone saw how ugly I was on the inside, everyone would reject me. Hello? You did not make that up. You are not special. That is the same lie that the devil's used on hundreds of millions of people. It's a fact. If people knew that I was struggling with that sin, they would all reject me. Come on, it's the truth. I can't look at myself in the mirror because I just don't want to see how ugly I am because I know what I've really done. Or I know what was really done to me. And so it creates this name that's not who you are and it tries to put you back into slavery even though you're free. Come on, somebody. Say this with me. I'm better than that. In, in a hostage situation, you guys seen those movies where like someone gets taken hostage and then they, they, the bad guys call the parents or they call the company or they call the government and say, we've got these people and we're not going to let them go until you give us one million dollars. <laughs> You guys seen that stuff? <laughs> Dr. Evil, no, that's not a lot of money. One billion dollars, right? And so we, we, get, we get that kind of thing. And sometimes it's easy to see that that is just a number that the bad guy made up because he needs to go buy himself a private island, right? Or whatever. But the reality is, is that any ransom dictates the value of the captive. Now, you've got to get this. You have to, you have to just, for a second, imagine that no one else is sitting in this room except you and Jesus. 
Because sometimes when we see Jesus on the cross, we're just so thankful he did it for everyone else. And we don't know how to receive in our false humility that he did it for me. See, if someone took someone that I knew dearly and I found the money to give it to them, and I gave that money and that person came free, but that person came back acting like they were still being held in a captive situation, I'd scratch my head. But isn't it funny how we do that? The value of the ransom dictates the value of the captive. Say this with me. I'm better than that. I'm more valuable than that. You see, nothing that you can do can change your value to God. The problem is, is we need to stop listening to the wrong voice. The wrong voice that tries to remind us what we've done. Hello? The same voice that, can I just say this? The same voice that came to Judas after he sold Jesus out and said, you've gone too far. Now, let me ask you this. If Judas had a run up to Calvary and begged forgiveness at the cross, would have Jesus forgiven him? 100%. Now, if you can believe that for Judas, believe it for yourself. I like catching people out. <laughs> okay, so come with me to the book of John, chapter 3. Very well-known passage. Thank you for my tea. Oh, that's hot. Okay. Um, John chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 14. And as Moses lifted up a serpent, a serpent in the wilderness, even so, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. Red letters if you don't have red letters in your Bible. Even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Watch this. That whoever, say whoever. Say, oh, wait, that's me. So that if I believe in Jesus, I will not perish, but I'll have everlasting life. Do you realize that that is a one plus one equals two moment? If I believe that as Jesus was lifted up on a cross, if I believe that he is the son of God, I will be saved. What are you doing, Andrew? I am dismantling the lie that says you're exempt from this scripture. There is no fine print that says you, this is not you. If you believe, you're in. That's it. Because isn't it funny how we dig ourselves into little holes and we wouldn't dare tell anyone what those little holes are because everyone would think we're mad and therein lies the proof of the madness we believe. We just tell, we, it's actually us, we're just eating the devil's fruit. We need to go over to the waters of Myra and drink some of that water and flush that parasite out that's been telling you that you're not going to make it, that God's found a reason to disqualify you, that God's figured out a way that, hey, you know what, we don't need to actually let this one in. I think this one's just sinned one too many times. I'm not sure that the blood of Jesus has an answer anymore. Let me ask you a question, guys. Let's just read down a little further. Is this okay? I really feel like we need to nail this thing right now. Because you can have all this amazing truth. I know people that know all about the Father's heart, but then they get beat up on this because somehow the dots don't join, and that's because we need to get all those chains off. You are, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Period. For, so, for, for watch this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten... So I, I think I, I skipped a bit, didn't I? Whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, verse 16, the one that everybody knows. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. Now, just stop there for a second. I want to just maybe say something to you that you may have not taken out of the scripture before. Maybe you have, but maybe you haven't. If God paid the greatest price that he could, if he sent his only begotten son to come into the world to be mistreated, misunderstood, and murdered for innocence, rose from the dead after having whipped on the devil for three days straight until the devil tapped out, because that's exactly what happened. If God did that, why would he be looking for the first reason to disqualify you after he paid so highly for it? Come on, somebody. It's the truth. Because isn't it interesting how the devil gets in our ear and from the, you, you mess up or you slip up or something happens or something that happened way back when that you can't seem to escape? It just keeps trying to punish you and condemn you and put shame and guilt on you where you feel like you are disqualified. True story. It is a true story because that's the only thing the devil can do is lie to you about who God really is. That's the only thing he does. If you take that power away from him, he has no power. Here's how you defeat the devil. Stop listening to him. The devil didn't come to earth with weapons. He came to earth with a tongue. Think about that for a second. He didn't come to earth with weapons. He got kicked out of heaven so much so that he fell like a comet or a meteor. By the way, that wasn't his power making the flames come out. That was God's foot. I like that. But if God paid such a high price, like for instance, let me say this. Let's just say tomorrow I go out and buy a really expensive car. Really nice car. Beautiful, I don't know, I don't know what car to pick. We'll pick one. Lamborghini. Is that what you said, Lamborghini? Okay, so apparently I go out and I buy a Lamborghini tomorrow. It's brand new. It has zero miles on the clock, okay? And I drive that Lamborghini down the street. I've just paid a half million dollars for it, and then I paid another half million dollars in insurance. (laughs) I drive it down the street, and I park, and someone gets out of their car, and they push their door out too fast, and it dents the wall of my car, or the door of my car. I have just paid a half million dollars plus a half million dollars. I've just dropped a million dollars, I'm not going to get out of the car and say, it's ruined. It was a disposable one anyway. Right? If you saw me doing that, you would say, firstly, can I have it? (laughs) Secondly, you're going to say, you nuts. You crazy. True? Isn't it amazing that we believe that the million-dollar Lamborghini should be thrown away because you messed up? Why would God throw something? Why would God be looking for reasons to kick you out of heaven when he paid such a high price? Come on, somebody. We're dismantling lies today. Say this with me. I'm better than that. Good. (laughs) Okay, watch this. So we're going to jump right back uh, into the end of 3.16. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Watch this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Isn't it interesting that the church spends half its time condemning people? Oh, that'll hurt for a little bit. 
Church is so busy telling everyone what their sins are that they're refusing to look like the Father. See you. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. The heart and the intent of the Father is to redeem every single son and daughter. See, so while this is a beautiful family, it is a very aggressive army. And as the family grows, there's a hospital. I, I preached last year that the, I think the three functions of a church. The hospital, the classroom, and the army. Was that right? Sounds about right. The hospital, the classroom, and the army. And so while we may come to Jesus wounded into a church community, the, the goal of the kingdom is not so that we can tend to your wounds for the rest of your earthly life. The goal of the kingdom of the Father's heart is that those wounds might be healed, that you might stand up, and that you might take your rifle and go out and take more souls. Hello? Because the Father's not just satisfied that you get your salvation and hide it. Watch this. Verse 17. He who believes in him is not condemned. I like this. Do you believe in Jesus? Condemnation has no power over you. Condemnation has no voice to you. There's another scripture that says, If we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A little bit of emphasis on all. Not some, not maybe, all. Okay? We need to kick this thing right out of our lives and mind. We need to take that brand and pull it off our skin. I am not a slave of the enemy. I am a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. Does this make sense? Come on, somebody. But he who does not believe is condemned already. So there's a whole bunch of people out there that are condemned. This is real. There are real consequences. Not for you, though. What are you going to do about it? You've got to mobilize and you've got to start living in such a way. Look, there's nothing worse than so much religious zeal in a church where people start to mechanically try and save people. Can I tell you real easy, real simple how you get people saved? You fall so in love with Jesus that people can't handle it. Then it stops being about work and it starts being about expression. Okay. You can't, look man, if you see someone walking away from a restaurant and they're just so happy, you're going to say, hey man, what did you just eat? If it's so easy to understand that about the natural, how come it's so difficult about the kingdom? Oh, I just, I just, well, I don't want to come across like I'm telling you what to do. Or, no, Jesus just wrecked me and it's awesome. You get what I'm saying? In a world that's becoming so decidedly politically correct, become decidedly unpolitically correct. Jesus didn't come to be political, he came to express the Father. See, as this thing trucks along a little bit here in a minute, it's going to get real weird. And I'm talking about the world outside these walls because they're decidedly becoming haters of God, haters of good. Come on, somebody. We're going to do a little, little two-part series in the next couple of months where I'm going to talk about the end times. But not in a weird way, just because we need to see actually what the Bible says. Because the world is, the temperature in the, in the, in the kettle is changing and that little frog's swimming around, but in a minute here, that frog ain't going to be swimming anymore. And as, as sons and daughters of the king, we actually need to pay attention to what's happening out there. Anyways, that was a side note for free. 
So he who does not believe is condemned already because he, has believe, um, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you can, if you, let's just dismantle this something here. If you have claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you can say Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, you were saved. Okay, now there's still stuff to work out, but the devil can't steal that from you. Okay. Come with me, please, to Luke chapter 12 and verse 22, where Pastor Jeff was just reading out of. Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read from verse 22. I'm going to try and keep this message relatively short today, but I just want to whip on the devil a little bit because it's so easy to allow him to indoctrinate your brain that you are a failure, that you're going to miss your call. It's so easy for him to think, for him to put on you a different name, like loser, like sinner, like unclean, like failure. Those all have to go. That is not who you are. Can you tell I'm having fun? Okay, reading from verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. I don't like ravens, so consider the birds. For they, <coughs> uh, for they neither sow nor reap, which they, have, uh, and which they have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of, of how much more value are you than the birds? Now, this is a trip because I prepared this before Pastor Jeff took up the offering, and this is definitely God. So in all of God's creation, he holds up all of these amazing features and functions of the universe, and this is Jesus himself. This is not one of the apostles. This is Jesus himself. He's saying, this stuff's all cool, but your value is not comparable. Get this. Your value is more than all these beautiful things in nature. See, while we're screaming, save the whales, I think America needs to get down on its face and repent for saving the babies. I heard a statistic the other day, and it disturbed me how many babies are killed every second in this country. If you want to, you can look it up. It's disturbing. Anyways, that's, that's a side note for free, but that's another killing of destiny. So of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit or one inch to your stature? If you were then not able to do the, to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies or the flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet you say, even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like any one of these. I understand this is about supply, but I I want you to see this through the eyes of value. If then God clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And watch this. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or be anxious and have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. Watch this. But... Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Now, 
Do not fear. This is, the, this is the verse I want to really focus on here. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, this here is a really revealing. I want us to drill down just for a second because it's actually the Father's pleasure to give you a future, to give you supply, to give you identity. It's the Father's good pleasure to pour out over you the things that you're freaked out about. You just need to stop worrying. Can I just say this? Your sin last week will not cause God's hand to be withheld from the provision you need tomorrow. We need to kick that thing out of our lives. We need to stop thinking because I thought that thought or I said that thing that now God is going to be stingy with me. Listen, when my little boy does something wrong, I do spank him and then I cuddle him. And I hold him. I don't stick him outside and tell him to fend for himself for the next day. You get this. And if any any of that happened to you, I'm so sorry. But that's not who the father is. The father's not going to punish you by pushing you outside the house and and, and starving you so you can't eat for the next day. He's going to welcome you in so that you can know love. can, Can I tell you what's more of a correction than a spanking? Is when grace comes when it wasn't deserved. That's more, almost harder to swallow is when the Father blesses you anyways, even though you know you deserve punishment. Interesting, huh? The problem is, is the devil's busy. As soon as you, look, can you just imagine this for a second? Baby, can you come here? Just want to imagine that my wife was Eve in the garden. And on one minute, on one minute, hey, eat this fruit, eat this fruit. This is, God's been holding it back from you. God's, God doesn't really love you. See, the same lie. She was perfect, and she hadn't fallen at all. And yet he was trying to tell her then, before sin, that she'd been excluded from God's full blessing. You notice the same lie happening. And he offered her, and he said, take the food. It's going to be awesome. You're going to, like, everything's going to change, and you're going to be like God. The second her teeth sunk through the fruit. He switched sides and he became a taskmaster and he put chains on her the second he did that. Thanks, baby. And I want you to see that is that when we sin, we have to run straight to the Father. We have to run. We have to stop being people that take two, three weeks to get to God. Despite the condemnation, the shame, the disappointment, the self-humiliation, you have to just run straight into his courtyard and say, I messed up. You know why? Because the devil's changing his posture and he's getting ready to flank you as a master using shame and condemnation. And some of you, some of us have all at different points in our lives not been able to look God in the eyes for months. Hello, we all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) while you turn to your next verse, busy trying to, you know, don't, no, no eye contact. <laughs> don't nod your head and say, yeah. No, it's all of us. Every single one of us have dealt with that. And it's painful and it's horrible and it's tormenting. The greatest thing that you can do is run straight to the Father and say, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. And then you just watch his love pour over you. Now, after that moment when you've been with the Father, Even though forgiveness has taken place, the enemy's still trying to manipulate it. 
You ever had where the enemy, where you know that God, you've put it right and God's forgiven you? And then sometimes weeks, months, or even years later, the devil's there going. He's like that terrible thing on Facebook that says, hey, we just want to remind you about this memory you have from five years ago. <laughs> you matter to us. You know what I'm talking about? He's like that. He's like, do you remember that thing that you did six years ago? Oh, let's have a chat about it. I'm going to be the best counselor that you ever had. And the reason that we all laughed <laughs> Okay. So it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have a connection problem because we have a perception problem. We believe that God is looking for vengeance when he's actually trying to bring mercy. And the reason that we believe that God is trying to look for vengeance on that last thing that we did wrong (coughs) is because we've been listening to the wrong teacher. Satan's been in our ear saying, that's going to take away your confidence with God. That's why I love that scripture that says, if we don't have any confidence, there is one that's faithful and just. If we just, if we just confess, he's there and he's faithful and just. See, you having lack of confidence is actually, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation, guys. Can I just hit this for a second? I wasn't planning on going after this so much, but I feel it in the room. This slavery needs to leave your mind. It needs to leave your heart. The Holy Spirit will never, ever, 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 ever condemn you. Brand that on yourself. He will never, ever condemn you. But he will convict you. There's a difference. Instead of like, you unclean, how could you... I just don't know if there's going to be any hope for you. That's not God. When you hear that, you need to treat it like it's a devil, because it is. Okay? When it says, there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, because the blood of Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, so that means that I've been eating condemnation this whole time and I didn't have to. Oh, okay. So conviction's good because it's like, hey, buddy, um, we need to chat about what happened. I love you. God. (laughs) And then you get this little text from Holy Spirit. Hey, I DM'd you on Messenger. (laughs) Did you get that? problem is, is we're too willing to have a a conversation with the condemner rather than the convictor. We're too willing to have a conversation with the condemner than the convictor. The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren, but he's also the accuser of God to the brothers and sisters. You've got to get this, because so often, and you can see that in the book of Job chapter 1 if you don't believe me, you can actually really see that where the devil will always come and he's always speaking bad about us and speaking bad to us but he's also speaking bad to us about God like he did with Eve okay he does both ways he's trying to play both sides of the field and the sooner you wake up to the fact 
that you have a paid hall pass to never let condemnation touch you ever again in your life? Who would like that? Who would like to never ever let condemnation ever touch you again? Take it today. Take it today. And, you know, this is one of the ways you can do it. Just pray and partner with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would trigger me every time that I feel condemnation. That I would remember that that's not who you are. And just pray that over and over again. God, trigger me. Cause me to wake up. Cause me to straighten up when condemnation's hitting me because its goal is to separate me from confidence with you. And I want to stay close to you because that's where my safety is. They that abide under the shadow. Come on, somebody. There's some good stuff happening right now. Okay, last scripture, and I'm going to wrap up. It's just, it's, it's, it's not a very long sermon today, but it's a powerful one. Say I'm better than that. Okay, we're not going to let the devil beat us up in 2019. We're not going to let him take our confidence away. We're not going to let him put an old branding on us. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you feel your old self just coming back? That's not who you are. The Bible says this, as a, as a dog returns to his vomit, so does a fool to his folly in the book of Proverbs. And so the problem is the devil's trying to take you back where you were. But you always get worse than where you were. And there's, that's another message. But that's why it's so important that we reject these notions that we are somehow disqualified. The second you cross the line and said, Jesus, I'm broken. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve worse but you said that you paid for me and I just want to accept that right now. I want to repent for every wrong thing that I've ever done in my life and ask you to forgive me and wash me clean and be the Lord of my life. The second you did that, he lost his power. That's a victory. And, and his condemnation is him kicking and screaming because he wants you back. Don't tell me that the war isn't over souls. It's over every single soul. And that's why it's so important that each one of us gets strong and we stop crying over all the things that have and haven't happened in our lives. We get built up with God and we try and save every single soul that we can. I just want to know what's on the Father's heart. What's the Father saying? He's saying souls. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Sometimes people want prophetic and, you know, prophetic visitation when it's actually really clear God's looking for all his sons and daughters back he wants his kids back he wants visitation rights okay Romans chapter 8 verse 31 for what then shall we say to all these things if God is for us who can be against us come on now that right there is just a power play see it's like man sometimes we're so busy we get so stressed out over a Verizon bill How am I going to pay my rent this week? I just read the scripture and I don't know how it applies. Now hang on a minute. God is for you. What could possibly take you out? Okay. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Say I'm better than that. How shall he not with him also freely give all things to us? Come on, somebody. Jesus became sin so that you could look like Jesus to the Father. Think about this. Jesus stepped in, and some of you are like, but Jesus never sinned. Yeah, I want to remind you on the cross when God put the sin of all mankind on him. The sinless carried the sin even though he committed no sin. 
so that you could become the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody. Holy Ghost, let us release you in this room right now just to wreck us. Ask you to come and get us because we need to get gotten. So if God literally gave the best that he could give so that you could go free, don't you need to quit the idea that God's so easily going to kick you out. Oh, be careful. Don't lose your salvation. Like, while I believe that you can be reckless with your salvation, I believe it's really hard to get separated from the goodness and the love of God, which we're going to go, go there right now. Okay, so God's going to provide everything for you. Why, by the way, including when it says give, freely give all things, that includes forgiveness. That includes the washing of sin. That includes the blood. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay, somebody. Now watch this. Right when I find my place. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who shall then condemn the children of God? Who shall then have a right to put a heaviness against one of God's children? Who shall then take their identity and put slave back on them? Come on, this is a challenge from God. You are free. You are blessed. You are absolved from the consequences of sin and death. You are a child. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. That means something. The problem is, is we need to get the parasites out of our system that tell us that we're still under the old thing. Okay. Who shall bring a charge against God and elect? It is God who justifies, not you. Here's another problem. When you find Christians that they start feeling messed up, it's probably got a lot to do with the fact that they were trying to be good enough. God that justified you. It's God's righteousness on you. It's not mine. I'm not a goody two-shoes. I'm a son. Okay? I'm not better than anyone else here. I'm a son. I live by grace and mercy. And I've been justified with his righteousness. His works have made me clean, not mine. We need to get this out. If we can shift this stuff in our thinking, what happens is, is the enemy starts to lose his leverage where his lies used to work. Now they bounce off. Come on, we're going to have a good year this year. The reason that God's having us talk about this today is because he's dismantling the enemy's pin code to get into the back of your house. Because he knows that when you start doing well, he hits that little pin code of condemnation. Doot, 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 doot. Six, six, six. <laughs> okay. It's okay to have fun. So it is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is also written, who is even at the right hand of God. What this is saying is, get this, guys. It's not even the devil's job or right to condemn. The only one who has that right is the one that died and rose again and now sits at the right hand of the Father. When the devil is condemning you, he's operating in a trespass where he has no rights. Get this. Someone getting this? I like this. I like it. The Bible says this. When the thief is caught, he has to pay seven times. Has the devil been condemning you? Good. We just caught the thief. Guess what? You get to live in seven times peace. You get to live in seven times more identity than what you've been in. Come on, somebody. 
Watch this. So whose right is it? He is, who is he? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. Watch this. Who also makes intercession for us. What's his priority? To disqualify you or to intercede for you? Oh, we got you, devil. So when we think about God, I grew up in a church where it's like, man, if he steps out of line, I've got the judgment hammer. Click, got him. Think of God like some angry kid in an arcade trying to like hit the little hammer on the thing, you know? That's not God. God's looking, how can we redeem? How can we restore? Come on, somebody. (laughs) So the one that has the right to condemn isn't with his finger on the trigger to pull the trigger. He's actually interceding so you can make it. I like this story. It's getting better. Come on, somebody. Okay. So he's making intercession for us. Watch this. Here's now the next great challenge. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Question mark, dot, 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 long silence. Nope, didn't hear you answer that one, devil. Because apparently you can't do it without my consent. You don't have my consent. Hashtag, you don't have my consent, devil. Not today, Satan, not tonight, not tomorrow, not next month, not next year, not ever, Satan. I'm having fun right now. Why? Because the keys that the enemies used against you are being dismantled right now, and you're going to have a good year. You just need to keep remembering this. You you might be out of prison, but you've got to get the prison out of your mind. Okay. Okay, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, shall famine, nakedness, or peril, or the sword? As it is written, this is Paul speaking, uh, for your sake we are killed all day long, We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Enemy might come in against you, but the only reason, please listen to me what I'm about to say, the only reason he's trying to condemn you is he's trying to distract you from what God's about to do. Why would he be trying to cloud your judgment if it wasn't for something that he's trying to keep you from? I like this. Say this with me. I'm better than that. There's good things ahead. I'm not going to be distracted. I got Jesus in my corner. Good. Um, then I'm going to finish with this. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor anything to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us, say me, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So by the way, condemnation is that little tiny thing that's tried to separate you. No, you can't do it. Can't do it. You are blessed. You're a child of God. God is for you. You're going to make it. You need to get your head in the game. How do you get your head in the game? You read the book. The book is going to straighten, be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the word. Eve ate the bad apple and God has redeemed it. Now you can read the word through it. 
terrible dad joke. That's okay. I want to stand to our feet for a second. We're going to get this right now. We're not going to be separated from the goodness and the love of God. Okay? Now, some of us in this room have actually really struggled with condemnation. And that's okay. The only reason it's okay is because now we've caught it. It's not okay that it happened. But we're going to have to retrain our minds now to think differently. See, I once was blind, but now I see. Once I see, I can never see the same again. I can never see, I can never return to my old ways where I just agree with the enemy. Because when you consent to, a, to a condemnation, you're literally saying, Satan, you're right. Pretty heavy hitting, but it's the truth. It's literally saying, Satan, you're right. And guess what? Satan is wrong. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cried out for vengeance. The blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. You might have committed the worst thing. You might even have the worst secrets going on right now. But I can tell you right now that Jesus is not looking to kick you out of the kingdom. He's looking to redeem you, to restore you, to set you free, to make a way. God is not going to throw you away like a piece of trash because someone, someone that's been paid everything for is never a piece of trash to the one that's paid. You are priceless. Can I go as far as saying this? As valuable as you know the Son, Jesus, to be to the Father, that is the value that the Father sees in you. Get this. The Father literally sees you of same value that He would have traded Jesus for you because the value of the captive is determined by the price of the ransom. And the ransom that was paid for you was Jesus Himself. That means in God's economy, you have the value of your brother Jesus and God is not looking to put you in the trash. He's not looking to write you off. He's looking to see freedom come. He's looking to see deliverance come. Jesus Himself, when you sin, when we sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And when we sin, guys, get this. When we sin and put it right with God, God takes that sin and He casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. What is the sea of forgetfulness? When God does the one thing that He's not supposed to be able to do, He literally forgets what you did and cannot remember your past. You remember your past. The devil does. The reason that the devil comes to you about your past and he doesn't go to God is because if he was talking to God, God would have a blank face. God would say, I don't know what you're talking about. But he comes to you about it because you can still remember. Forgiven, not forgotten. Sometimes it is good to remember what took place so we remember not to go back there. But we can't let the identity of what happened brand us. We have to let the blood of Jesus qualify us, value us and brand us. Today's a brand new day, guys. 2019 is going to be a phenomenal year. Can I just say this? Let's lay down the condemnation of our past and give it to Jesus and never pick it up again. Jesus' name. 
If you're struggling with condemnation, I'm gonna invite you to come to the front. We're gonna pray for you. If you've been struggling with condemnation, Jesus is gonna break it off you today. We're gonna give our stuff to Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Bible says that the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Right now, they're for the healing of my throat in this tea. <laughs> Thank you, God. Okay, just, just, just maybe move down this way a little bit. Just bunch up a little bit so everyone can get into the line. We're just going to lift up our hands right now. We're going to break. You don't need to record it. We're good. We're good. You can watch it later on Facebook Live. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to get free right now. If God is for me, I want you to say this. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God has forgiven me, who has the right to remind me? I am free. I am not taking this identity forward. None of the sins of my past, if they're under the blood, they have no power. So today, Jesus, I give you my past. Some of the things that I've struggled with, God. The thoughts, the mindsets, the condemnation, the sin in my past. God, I ask you today to set me free and to deliver me and give me the power to consume your word so that it changes my mind. Today, I refuse to agree with the enemy anymore. I am not who I was. I am who you say I am. I'm not who I was. I am who you say I am. And I'm going to live in that. And I'm going to walk boldly in that. And I'm going to celebrate freedom in that. I'm going to become a freedom bringer. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, fire. Thank you, God. No condemnation here. No condemnation. It breaks. Condemnation breaks. Can I just say this before I go any further? Guys, sometimes we ask God to forgive us, but we actually need to ask ourselves to forgive us. Sometimes we actually need to go sit in front of a mirror and say, can you please forgive me? Can I just forgive me? Sounds funny, but it's a thing. Because sometimes there's no one, well, actually most of the time, there's no one that's going to be harder on you than you. Come on, let's just trust God right now. Jesus. We just, we release ourselves right now. Come on, release yourself right now. (laughs) Oh, God. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for inner healing, God, that you're restoring us mind, soul, spirit, body. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Freedom. Freedom. In Jesus' name. Condemnation breaks. Condemnation just breaks right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Celebration Sunday. You just need to get really good at this so when the devil comes and he just starts talking, just let him get halfway through his first sentence and then go, stop it. Just tell him to be quiet. The Bible says when we resist or if we resist the devil, he is... He is mandated and required to flee from us. So the problem is, is we sit there and listen to everything he's got to say, like it's important. The second you know it's an enemy, you just tell it to be quiet. You don't need those words seeding in your mind. Thank you, Jesus. It breaks right now. It breaks right now. Every word that's ever taken root in our minds, we reject those things right now. Come on. Every word, every form of condemnation, Everything that we've ever agreed with that we should have never agreed with, we just reject that right now. And Jesus, we ask you to wash us in your blood that none of those words, none of those thoughts, none of those strongholds would bear any fruit in us. In Jesus' name. Freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, today's a brand new day. The reason that we need to get this out is because God's just released a whole bunch of promises. And this is just the C4 sabotage that the enemy leaves lodged in our lives that he can come and try and trip us up right before we get there. Freedom in Jesus' name. Breakthrough right now. No condemnation. It leaves your life. We reject that stuff in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It breaks. It breaks in Jesus' name. It breaks in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. It breaks in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it breaks. No more condemnation. No more lies, devil. Not today, tonight, or tomorrow night. Thank you, Jesus. It breaks in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's it. Just let it go. Just let it go. That's it. Just give it to Jesus. Can I just say this? You were so safe giving your junk to Jesus. Shabba. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We just release all of that stuff to you, all the anxiety, all of the, all of the challenging against if we're valuable or if you're going to reject us, we just release all of that stuff to you right now, Jesus. Thank you, God. And we need to hear this stuff, guys. Sometimes we're so busy trying to play the spiritual superheroes that we forget that we just need to have condemnation broken off our minds. We just need to stop agreeing with the enemy. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Condemnation goes right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Condemnation breaks off you, Michael. Shabba. Shabba. Jesus' name, it breaks right now. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to wrong identity. I'm a child of God. Say, I'm better than that. 
I'm better than that. I agree with you. Today is a good day. Well, if you've been prayed for, if you could just maybe find your seat again and anyone that just needs healing in their body, we just invite you to come to the front right now. We're going to pray for you. Pastor Jeff, Pastor Rebecca, if you could just join me up on the stage. We're just going to lay hands on anyone that needs healing in their body.